0: Bobby, it's been a crazy week and a half since we recorded our last episode, our 100th episode. This is episode 101. So it feels like the start of a new era. And, uh, and what better way to kick off that era than with a, with a flurry of moves this past week. There's so much been going on. Um, but, but the flurry, uh, has really led me to think about one thing and one thing only. And that is, if you had to replace take me out to the ball game with a christmas song what song would that be
1: Wow wow the tables have turned alex usually I i'm have. the one asking you the, this very esoteric question that means absolutely nothing to anyone else except you and i <laughs> but here we are
0: episode <laughs> 101 you are, you, and and you're on the spot <laughs> it's like freaky friday we're trading places <laughs> Now I have a hundred questions to ask you for the next two years. Well, you this better is, start this writing is how it's them down. Go. Yeah, it's no. a lot
1: of work. It's a big burden. Um, yeah. So I'm replacing "Take Me Out to the Ball Game." It's a very different thing than replacing uh, the national anthem.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What you're going for in "Take Me Out to the Ball Game" is some family fun, right?
0: You want some family fun. You want something that that people know well enough that they can sing along to it, right? Yeah. Like and can wrap their arms around their their fellow ball game goers.
1: Yeah, you want like back and forth. You want like a nice upbeat song but not so upbeat that people can't keep up while reading the lyrics on the screen. You know, cuz they put take me out to the ball game on the screen. So you want, I don't know, what like, you know, 60 to 80 beats per minute, maybe maybe a little more. <laughs> Let's get <laughs> yeah, into probably, music theory,
0: bro. Probably a little bit more, but
1: yeah. <laughs> 120 beats per minute would we'll just get in there, start rocking. Um okay so full disclosure this I think what I would choose is also my personal favorite Christmas song however I do think that it actually works really well for this um, so I'm gonna go with and shout out to Home Alone the best Christmas movie I'm gonna go with Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree at the Christmas Party Hop nice the, uh, the Brenda Lee version released in good old 1958 it's got to be the Brenda Lee version. You ha- it actually does. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you need to go with a classic song because baseball is kind of like this classic Americana game. And I think rocking around the Christmas tree, it has like a nice little sway to it. You know, Take Me Out to the Ball Game" has a sway to it. You put your arm around the people next to you and you kind of lean back and forth and sing along.
0: Mm-hmm. I yeah, think- there's, a ro- there's a literal you're rocking back and forth as you sing it.
1: Yeah, you're rocking around the ballpark. We could workshop that rocking (laughs) around the pitching mound, the
0: the, the pitcher's mound, rock the pitching mound. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. That's good. I, I can see that. I can hear it kind of echoing throughout the ballpark. Right. And that's what you really, you want something that I feel like fills the space.
1: Yeah. Everyone dancing merrily in a new old fashioned way. That's like baseball in a nutshell, baby. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> what about What about you? Wow, he asked the question but he doesn't have the answer.
0: <laughs> um well, in the interest of picking a song that most people I think already know the lyrics to, um rocking around the christmas tree is is good, but I also can't say that I know how the second verse goes. Are there any verses? Wow. Is it just the chorus over and over again? You're a communist. <laughs> um I I low key think that Rudolph the Red Nose reindeer wow. would go so hard. Wow. So what so Alex is pandering to the six year olds. <laughs> <laughs> oh my good Rudolph the Rednose. no, I'm pandering to the SJWs. That's the that's the <laughs> song about the underdog kid who gets no respect. I love when you get into like Get into, like, right-wing speak. Uh-huh. Pandering yeah. to the
1: SJWs? Yeah. I'm trying to hear it in my head.
0: Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer Had a very shiny nose And if you ever saw it You would even say it glows We should have queued up some sound clips for this,
1: for this segment so I could drop them in live, but I'm going to have to put them in in post. I'm I'm like rocking back
0: and forth right now kind of seeing with Rudolph playing in my head, you know? And I think that like the sway could work. Okay, like, here, the here's beat, my... Wait, the beats per minute are there.
1: I have a serious question though. Yeah. You know, I think one of the key parts of taking me out to the ball game is there's one, two, three strikes you're out and everyone can call it out at the same time. Hmm. And that kind of fades into the the end right there. So what does that look like for each of our choices? What's the part in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer I, I hear it for you, actually, because you know how some people in their versions of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer have the callback, had a very shiny nose, like a light bulb, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of fun. You might've nailed it.
0: Yeah, true. Go down in history. I mean,
1: that's, there you go. Although I do. And we could say I a am, baseball player's name for when they go down in history. You know how when we were younger, they taught us to say like Columbus, but that's hella problematic. So Yeah. <laughs>
0: I I do like the idea of an entire ballpark um, singing in in Rocking Around the Christmas Tree. Like the music drops out and everyone sings. Deck the halls with boughs of holly, and then it goes back into the chorus. You know? Damn, we might like have just have we might, that that we might have, have, to have to do both. Tight. <laughs> we might have back nailed to this. Back. <laughs>
1: We're, um, what do you, what do you call like the people who we're like hospitality associates right now? You know how like the people they run around, you know, like they, they, they think of the ballpark experience. That's their like yeah. job. Maybe that yeah. should be our job. We should submit That's
0: this tipping pitches, pivoting to hospitality. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. We're going to talk about some of that free agent signing news. We're going to talk about Corey Kluber who just got traded to the Texas Rangers, right before we booted up the old podcast. But before we get to that, I'm Bobby Wagner. I'm Alex Basely, And this is... All right, Alex, as we're starting this second segment, I'm crafting my email to the New York Mets and the Los Angeles Dodgers about doing a little Christmas in July baseball action, you know, replacing take me out to the ball game. With our choices. So I'm gonna send that and see what happens. But in the interim, I think we should maybe talk about the over a billion dollars worth of contracts that were given out in the last week.
0: <laughs> like literally, not exaggerating.
1: Started off with Steven Strasburg, seven years, two hundred forty five million dollars to go back to the Washington Nationals. Bang. Largest contract for a pitcher in baseball history. Less than forty eight hours later, Garrett Cole. Nine years, three hundred twenty four million dollars to the New York Yankees.
0: I I feel like the last two years, every time someone signs a contract, it's like, this is record-breaking. And I kind of don't even care anymore. No. Like, like was I ever sitting there being like, wow, this is a historic contract. Look at that number. Like, that's arguably the thing that I care about the least, with the exception of, like, I all want them to be record-breaking, because, like, I all want them to get paid money. You know, I... I don't think that you and I are having conversations about the, you know, break the the contract record streak or whatever.
1: <laughs> Hashtag Steven Strasburg breaks the internet. <laughs> uh, no, I think you're right. It's like a very, <laughs> to, to borrow a strategy that you used in our opening segment using uh, some right wing lingo. It's a very mainstream media thing to do. <laughs> it's like lead with the fact that it's breaking a record. Uh, but i think it i think it matters just in the sense that there seems to be like there seems to be benchmarks and when players reach those bench- benchmarks they're being properly compensated for it like right i think it would have been pretty alarming for me to watch steven strasberg coming off the season that he just have going back to his old team and getting a contract that would be less than what david price got like 3 years ago that would be yeah so in that respect When you put it in context, I think it matters to me. But the raw number necessarily, or the fact that it's record-breaking, doesn't assuage us of all concerns about the free agent market, I don't think. It just, in this one specific instance, matters. So then Garrett Cole comes back two days later, and he completely blows our minds with the contract that he signs. And I don't even know if there's much more to say about this than Yankees going to Yankee.
0: Yeah. It's like that simple, right? Right. Pretty much. Like, you remember the the period in there for a couple years recently, where the Yankees were like, actually, we're not just gonna go like balls to the wall, spend all of the money in our safe. We're gonna like try and stay under the luxury tax, whatever that means. Yeah. And then and then they came back and they're like, We're gonna retract that statement and give Garrett Cole the franchise. Well, very much as feels, he as he deserves.
1: Well, it very much feels like when the Death Star fires in Star Wars and it takes some time to reboot. And then that's kind of like the small <laughs> window where Luke can get in there and blow it up as it's yeah. like rebooting to blow up a different planet. Yeah. Like we had the chance these last five years. Everybody was. <laughs> <laughs> everybody could have swung in on their X-Wing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh. You and I did not have the fortune of being part of that that team that swung in on the X-Wing. So it looks like we're doomed for the next nine years now that the yeah. the Yankees Death Star is firing again.
0: Yeah, pretty much. We're doomed to like three bad sequels of rings. I don't know. Let's keep the metaphor up, though, for the rest of the podcast. I don't know
1: if we can. And then finally, okay, finally, Anthony Rendon to the Los Angeles Angels for the same contract that Steven Strasberg got. Seven years, $245 million. and. Just like that, all three of the biggest free agents signed in the same week, which could not be more of a mirror opposite from what happened last year.
0: Yeah, I mean, there has been pretty surprising amount of action, this free agency so far. And it has caused a lot of people to start making the case that perhaps free agency is not broken and the teams were not colluding. And it kind of feels like when when people point to a snowy day in January and say, "See, <laughs> look, it's there isn't any global warming." It's good, it's <laughs> you a know. Good metaphor, in part because it's like these players have always gotten paid like this, right? Like Bryce Harper and Manny Machado got massive contracts last off season as well, and it yeah, didn't stop. They had stop. to wait longer. They had to wait longer, but it but didn't again, necessarily.
1: This was all, sorry to interrupt you, but this is all controlled by one person, right? So if Scott Boris decided last offseason that he wanted to wait and that was his strategy and this offseason he decided he wanted to go quick and that was his strategy, it doesn't necessarily indicate a larger trend. It just indicates how one person felt like they should do business in one offseason.
0: Yeah. Scott Boris, who like, <laughs> is such a, such a strange character in in our baseball parable, right? Because like, is is representing the players in his own interest because the more money that they make the more money he makes but at the same time we we still want the players to make more money so like he's like carrying out the shit that we want to see happen even though it's completely like driven by his own self-interest so i'm like <laughs> i i don't necessarily have to applaud him for it but i guess i respect him is he a labor king is this our labor king
1: <laughs> yeah. scott boris yeah, he, he's um, yeah, he's a little bit of a problematic fave. Yeah, it's <laughs> <That's> one <laughs> way of putting it. Getting rich off the backs of workers.
0: Yeah, but you know, he's also fucking the owners at the same time. So
1: you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, that's uh,
0: honestly, he's the epitome of just the free market, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to say about these? Specifically like the contracts or the structure or even like the destinations, you know, like we will have plenty of time to talk about this over the next literal seven years while these players fulfill these contracts. And I think, uh, you know, even looking back 12 months, like there was thought about Garrett Cole going to a team like the Yankees. So it's not totally out of left field. Um, I think the weirdest one to me is probably the weirdest destination wise is. Rendon to the Angels, but it makes sense in context of the last three weeks when you heard that the Angels were interested in signing one of these top free agents, and they just whiffed on Garrett Cole and um, and Strasburg when they needed a lot of help pitching wise. So it all makes sense. Um, Is there anything else that really stands out to you about them?
0: I don't think so. I think it's interesting to see how the landscape shifts, and a lot of people. You know, there were some people who suggested that nine years for Cole is far too long because because there's no way that these pitcher contracts work out uh on the far end when he's getting paid thirty five million and he's thirty eight years old, he's not gonna be good anymore. But the flip side of that is like he's gonna be deathly good for the next few years and give the Yankees their best shot at a World Series, just like than they've seen in a while. Right. Like so who cares?
1: Yeah, it's not your money, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. It's not your money. Unless yeah. George Steinbrenner is listening to this podcast, which would be sick. <laughs> what do you think he thinks about our our cold <laughs> open about replacing Take Me Out to the Ball Game? Uh <laughs> oh, I think I think something that stands out to me is that like the last few years, the people who get the best the biggest massive contracts are all really good. Like teams are so much better at analyzing who is going to be valuable to them in the future. Like there's way less there's way fewer like total albatross contracts, you know? Like if you think back on some of these like bigger nine-figure contracts and you think of like Jason Bay or, you know, Vernon Wells or I don't even know, there's there's like a whole list of we could do some remember some guys about guys who got big contracts in like the early to mid 2000s. It just feels like now there's so much more precision about who to target and why and when and when you see it happen just rapid fire the way that it did over the last the last week and a half and Steven Strasburg who's amazing and Garrett Cole who's amazing and Anthony Rendon who's amazing you're like okay both sides have figured this out like this is these are the players who deserve the most money now we now we got to move on and move to like the middle class of MLB players and we got to get them the 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 money that they deserve
0: Yeah, I mean, and I think that that's where that fear that you're talking about has really set in because a lot of that in middle class, at least from ownership's perspective, they mostly amount to being like dart throws, you know, like this is a player who could in his, you know, early to mid thirties, who could pull a Nelson Cruz and just like keep on raking dingers or, or could totally fall off. And not to go on like a whole other like free agency tangent, but like this is the reason that it's messed up is because like those are the people who benefit the least from this system. The stars have always gotten paid what they've deserved. And this year is no different. And I mean, we've seen there have been little signs that. Teams are actually like course correcting a little bit. Yasmani Grandal and Mike Moustakis, players like those guys, even Zach Wheeler got TBT. paid e- even, even, <laughs> even though they would be classified as like that kind of middle class, they got significant contracts. Unlike, you know, Grandal and Moustakis got literally last year. Right. Um, so I don't want to say that I think teams are waking up to their faults because. As, as we'll talk about with Corey Kluber, like they're still trying to cut corners in any way they can. But it's like that pinching pennies can like only get you so far. And if you're an owner who like does still sort of care about winning, like like at a certain point, you you have to go out and spend money.
1: The even more cynical view of this though is that what if it's not even about winning and pinching pennies takes away from your ability to win? What if it's like, there's going to be new labor negotiations in a year and a half. And what if they want to give like a, an 18 month track record of them spending more money and being like, I don't know what you guys are so mad at.
0: Look at all these big contracts we have. Look at all this money we're spending. Spending $80 million so that you don't have to spend money. (laughs) Like,
1: well, I mean, yes, no, yeah, yeah. These guys are planning on owning these teams for decades to come. And if it gets them, a good contract at the next negotiations, it will save them more than $80 million over the life of the next CBA. Yeah. I don't know. That was a really cynical worldview of this, but hey.
0: No, and I think you're, you're not wrong too. I mean, the owners have given us no reason to think otherwise, right? Like they, this, is, this, this is the kind of move that they would pull. Uh, the, the last point I think to bring up before we move on from this kind of flurry of moves is Corey Kluber, who got trades today. And and that one feels like the more obvious, just kind of not willing to pay this pitcher who's two years removed from like a Cy Young campaign. Yeah. Like even him, he's already being paid below what he should. He's but making you'd $18 rather,
1: million. Dollars.
0: Yeah, seriously. That's and half obviously, of what like,
1: Cole is making.
0: Obviously, 2019 was basically a lost year for him because he was injured and his velocity's down. But like they traded him for like... They traded him for one pitching prospect who they hope might turn into a, Corey Kluber. A, a he, he, but he's a reliever. I so know. Like, so, so you're just... So yeah, he's a 101-mile-per-hour a cutter, which, cool. And, just like that's
1: all anyone is talking about with this guy. 101 mile yeah. an hour cutter, it's like a fucking novelty.
0: I mean, it is. It's fun. I like to see that. But Corey Kluber literally won a Cy Young a few years ago and has been one of the best pitchers in baseball. So you trade for a a fireball-throwing reliever, and a fourth outfielder who's going to be your starting center fielder. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hell, yeah.
1: I feel so bad for Cleveland fans. Yeah. It's just got to be like... I, like, I know how I feel having gotten close to the World Series in 2015 and, and then, like, kind of toiling away in ineptitude for the next few years. And that's not even what's going on in Cleveland. They got close to the World Series and they had a young core that they could build around. Their window was 10 times
0: the size of the Mets' window.
1: And then they intentionally, deliberately, stupidly closed the window themselves. Yeah. With every single move that they made. It's the most asinine team building job I've ever witnessed. Ever. In maybe any sport.
0: Yeah. My, honestly, the biggest thing that frustrates me about this, I mean... The biggest thing that frustrates me about it is Cleveland not wanting to compete. But I look at a team like the Angels and think, how could you have not matched that price? That was, that was nothing. You were willing to go all in for Garrett Cole, but you couldn't give up a couple like low to mid level prospects for a guy like Corey Kluber to bolster your pitching staff, which you desperately need help
1: in. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I wonder if they were... That wouldn't even make sense, though. I, like, I wonder if they were not willing to pay any part of the salary or they wanted Cleveland to pay some of the salary. Like, Texas is covering all of the Kluber salary and giving those two prospects up. And it seems like that is all Paul Dolan cares about, is getting rid of the salary. Otherwise, he wouldn't have made this trade. Yeah. Can you imagine being the GM that has to execute this trade? god like you're just you have all of these internal numbers and you're like this is going to be the difference in war over the next three years but i have paul dolan calling me from his nokia flip phone being like can you please get rid of our best player other than francisco lindor and then when you're done with that can you make it happen to get rid of francisco lindor the most beloved player in i mean not in franchise
0: history but in recent franchise history yeah i i can't begin to imagine that what that's like
1: it's so stupid okay speaking of really stupid before we actually move on I want to talk about Ioannis Cespedes which is a weird thing that happened this in the last couple of days but it feels like uh things flipped around really quickly on Anthony Rendon huh like we were all like a couple months ago we were like oh hell yeah he didn't go to the par- the parade uh he just got his 245 million dollars that's so cool he's like this cool laid-back dude we really like him he's going to L A. Happy for him, man. Got his World Series ring. And then he comes out and says, in regards to the White House visit, I wanted to go so bad. Obviously, being from Texas, I think you guys know which views we lean towards. I was actually told that the White House visit wasn't supposed to be until Wednesday. So we were going to fly back Sunday. Then the day of the parade, they go, oh, the White House visit has been changed to Monday. I had something planned. Had friends that were already up there that needed to go to work on Monday. I don't even get that. <laughs> Trump actually bailed on Strasburg and Zim and I in spring training. We were supposed to golf together, and he didn't show up. Hmm. Anthony Rendon, big Trumper.
0: Yeah, just just saying the quiet part out loud. In he had in to term- correct the record. Yeah,
1: everybody was yeah. like, oh, say, "Oh, he's Actually, fine.
0: I really wanted to go to the White House.
1: Yeah. Several months later in the wake of signing this huge contract that has bought him so much public goodwill and everyone is really excited for it, he's going to come to LA but say that he
0: didn't want to go to the Dodgers because he didn't like the, quote, Hollywood lifestyle. And, and yeah, he says that and everyone's like, okay, that's kind of weird. What does that mean? And then this quote about Trump comes out and we're like, and we're oh, like oh. Oh, okay, yeah.
1: Oh, we get it now. Which, first of all, Hollywood lifestyle is such a generalization. As someone who lives in Hollywood... <laughs> 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 what does that even mean this sucks dude yeah I want to be able to root for a good player on a new team and now now I don't want to do that I just hope Francisco Lindor gets traded to the Dodgers so he doesn't have to toil away in Cleveland as they're trying to kneecap that team I
0: know.
1: day by day <laughs> and then Lindor comes Lindor comes here plays for the Dodgers gets totally embraced and uh, Rendon is just down there in fucking Anaheim, the worst place on earth.
0: <laughs> Honestly, good. That's what he deserves.
1: Okay, let's talk about Ioannis Cespedes really quickly. Um, it came kind of out of the blue from, from Jeff Passan that the New York Mets and Ioannis Cespedes renegotiated his contract to lower his salary and lower his guaranteed amount of money. By a pretty significant amount. I don't actually fully don't understand the details of what happened here, but essentially yeah. what happened was there was a grievance filed over the Cespedes injury last year that happened on his ranch. And they came to a mutual agreement about how much Cespedes should have to pay back of the contract because of the way that he was injured on the ranch. And you can only speculate that it must have been some extenuating circumstance that Cespedes was at fault for. I care less about that than I do about the weird thirsty reaction of Mets fans on Twitter and Reddit and elsewhere being like, finally, we get this money back. Finally, we can put it towards a reliever or towards whatever. And me just being like, so wait, let me get this straight. You're happy that Ioannis Cespedes, team hero, of the last three years has to give some money back to Fred and Jeff Wilpon so that they can get far enough under their arbitrary threshold that they set themselves that is not the luxury tax, so that they can spend back up to their set threshold, which is like $190 million. When they they should be able to spend $20 million more and get up to the actual luxury tax.
0: That's what you're happy about? Is is the expectation that like they're gonna spend this money on a on a star free agent this offseason?
1: No, I like, think the expectation is that they're gonna spend it on like two relievers.
0: Oh, oh, oh right. Okay. No, that makes sense. I mean, when taken with like the signing of a of a star pitcher like Rick Porcello, I Don't mean leave Michael I, Wa- Michael Waka out. And this. and Michael Waka, who, you know, I mean, now according to Brody Van Wagenen, the Mets have the deepest rotation in the east right now. So I'm I, the plan is is now coming into focus. I see what they're going for.
1: Uh I take issue with the resigned way in which Mets fans treat salary negotiations. Like I I don't like that we've now shifted the focus of the focus and blame from where it should always remain, which is the Wilpon's for refusing to spend and for constantly crying poor while owning a baseball team in the biggest city in the world. Two, the players that actually make the most money for the Mets. Like, there has not been a highly paid player for the Mets who has not been vilified by the New York media or Mets fans at one point or another. If you look at every single one, I will put it on the record right now that if Jacob deGrom does not perform up to this current level and has one bad year while the Wilpons are still managing the team and spending the way that they spend now, there will be a sliver of Mets fans who will be like, God, that DeGrom contract is killing us. (laughs) And I'll just sit there and be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. And it's enough proof right now because Ioannis Cespedes was producing. Ioannis Cespedes got them to the World Series in 2015. He earned that contract. He negotiated that contract. They gave it to him. It's not even that big of a contract. It's not. They can afford it. And Mets fans are just sitting there thirsting over the fact that Yoannis Cespedes, who got injured and missed an entire year, definitely didn't want to. What professional baseball player wants to just sit out a year and a half? And they're turning the blame towards him. It's weird. It's fucking weird, man.
0: Yeah. Well, since we're talking about Mets fans taking the side of ownership, I suppose it makes sense that we mention, since this broke immediately after we recorded our last podcast, that... A uh, that the Wilpons negotiated a sale of the majority of the stake in their team to Steve Cohen noted uh, art collector he's uh, is in, that what he's in, noted for? Is, isn't it? that's like his thing that's why he's rich no
1: he's rich because he owned a private equity firm he's like Wall Street
0: rich yeah but he also like buys fine art that's like his hobby
1: yeah But I think he's more noted for the fact that he oversaw the most criminal Wall Street operation in the history of America. He paid a (laughs) $1.6 billion SEC fine, the largest in history.
0: Yeah. Yeah, was literally not allowed to be trading on Wall Street for a period of time. He's done
1: real crimes. Yeah. He's done real crimes. He's the inspiration for Bobby Axelrod
0: in billions. Which owner hasn't, honestly. That's fair. Anyway, he's going to take control of majority ownership in five years. Bobby, I gotta say, and and it is no disrespect to your your team's fan base, but it has been a pretty stunning sight to watch Mets fans over the last few years grow increasingly upset at ownership for not spending money and and rightly point out the really craven interests of the Wilpons' ownership, who are pretty particularly craven, and when another criminal who happens to have more money
1: comes to take
0: over the team. All of a sudden he is the second coming of Jesus Christ. The one who will uh, bring balance to the Mets franchise.
1: Ave Maria, baby.
0: Can you explain this to me?
1: Yeah, I can totally explain this to you. It's Stockholm syndrome of capitalism. Yeah. It's like, you're trained your whole life to think that the person who has the most money is the person who can do the most. It's like how we just let Bill Gates off the hook while being the richest man on earth because he gives a billion to charity every 10 years and then makes that over 15 times over the next 10 years.
0: Yeah. I I suppose I just, what I don't understand is like, is the expectation that the Mets are going to spend like the Yankees now? Yes, that is the expectation. (laughs) I I I don't know how you can wrap your head around that. Every MLB owner is a billionaire. If they all spent like they were like the money that they had, then baseball would be in a much better state right now. And right. Yet, look at how look at how the Marlins were run when Jeffrey Loria took over the team, right?
1: But I think the expectation is that there's an appreciable difference between being worth 1 billion or 1.5 billion and being worth 14 billion and that 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 exponential difference is saying to Mets fans, I think wrongly, that why else would he buy this team if he didn't want them to be great? Like, he grew up a Mets fan <laughs> he's from Queens. Why would he buy this team if he didn't want to spend to make them competitive? And that worldview of baseball ownership obscures the fact that owning a baseball team is a good investment. Yeah, It makes money. It's reliable. They're not always looking into your finances all the time. The way that the SEC is, you know, we yeah. mentioned he paid that $1.6 billion fine. He's not going to have to pay a $1.6 billion fine to print money for the New York Mets.
0: Yeah, despite what you want to say about the health of baseball or declining viewership or whatever, monetarily speaking, baseball is booming. Yeah,
1: because of the local cable networks and because it's yeah. 162 games a year and it's always going to be on and you're always going to sell commercials during every break. Like, we know all this stuff. We've talked about all this stuff. I yeah. think Mets fans think that he's going to be some, someone more like Steve Ballmer in basketball where like he has so much money and he wants to do this because he's interested personally in doing it and he wants to make the team and the organization the best that they can possibly be to win. It's like a... It's like a competition for him. It's like throwing around this money is just a way to prove that you can do it. You can be successful in this other realm that you haven't proven that you can be successful in. And I think a lot of fans get it in their head that these guys are like just super competitive dudes who have to win in every single thing in their life. And as we've seen with some of these other billionaires, that's clearly not what this is. That's not what baseball ownership is. You think Paul Dolan... (laughs) is obsessed with winning in Cleveland. He just traded Corey Kluber for nothing. That's not being obsessed with winning. Yeah, The Wilpons have not been obsessed with winning over the last 15 years. They're obsessed with money. And they waited until they could recuperate all their losses under the umbrella of the New York Mets. And now they're selling them for more than they would have ever sold them for 15 years ago. And they've already gotten out from the red. So they just made billions on top of what they recuperated from their bankruptcy. Bankruptcy, in quotes. There's this, I, there, I just, I really think that there just is this idea that if you're in this certain stratosphere of wealth, the only reason that you would buy a professional sports team is because you want to be in the sports world and win and have fun. But that's not why people own teams. He, he may
0: spend like the Steinbrenner's but it doesn't mean you need to thirst over him. Yeah, there has been this fascinating projection of like hopes and ideals onto this man solely because he is worth a lot of money. And you, I mean, like, it makes sense. This is like what we as Americans do, right? It's this why we love a guy like Elon This is literally Elon what Musk. Licking Boots is.
1: This right. is what, when yes. people on Twitter and then lefties say, have fun licking boots or whatever, like that is what, this is the most, Specific execution of it I can possibly think of. Because the best case scenario for this is what Mets fans are describing. The best case scenario is that he spends like the Steinbrenners. He spends wild. The Mets turn less of a profit than they turned before when they were under the Wilpons. And they're able to sign next big free agent X, Trey Turner or whatever.
0: (laughs) Trey Turner, the next big free agent.
1: (laughs) Hey, man. You know, they're able to sign 2025's Garrett Cole. Okay, that's the best case scenario. Granted. That's better than now. It's pretty good. <laughs> but at what cost? At what cost? We have to we have to kneel at the altar of Steve Cohen. Noted literal criminal. Yeah. Whose existence in this world and personal finances are the reason that many people in this country can't eat.
0: Yep. Cool, dude. Cool. But at least your your baseball team's good. Congratulations
1: so. on Twitter. You you fire those tweets off, my man. That's fun. It's so weird. It's so weird. But at the same time, it makes so much sense because everyone's obsessed with money. Your money is not your morality, but like that is what people think.
0: I mean, I think the funniest thing to me is seeing how much fans side with ownership no matter the situation. When Corey Kluber was traded, today, there were Indians fans on Twitter saying, here's why this cheap-ass move is justified. Here's why the Indians not spending money and sticking with their pre-arb players instead of paying a Cy Young winner $18 million, here's why they should trade him away for next to nothing. So when the team is cheap, fans say, yes, this is, the team being cheap is good. This is why I am pro that. And when the team spends money, it's obviously just as easy to say, yes, we should be spending money at, at all costs, right? Like do whatever we need to do to win. And I'm just like, at what point do you take like a look in the mirror and like ask yourself what you're actually rooting for?
1: Yep. You know? I'm just rooting for my team to be good and for, you know, people to not be materially harmed in the process. And now those two things are inextricable from each other. And Steve Cohen you know what? owns
0: the team. I'm just rooting for people's stock interests to go up. That's Honestly, that's the only thing that I care about at the end of the day.
1: Okay, we have one we have one more thing to talk about before we before we do our fun segment for the week, um, Rob Manfred threatened this week to walk away from minor league baseball entirely. What is going on? I don't have
0: a more acute question than that. Just, just what is going on? Rob Manfred cannot handle two seconds of public scrutiny without having a meltdown. And, it, and frankly, it's stunning and a little admirable because this is a a war that is being waged very much in the public eye. Presidential candidate Bernie Sanders is making a very strong push to stop Major League Baseball from contracting the 42 minor league teams. He's obviously been very outspoken on that. Fans uh, and and writers I think across the league have been very public and loud in their pushback on this idea and noting that it's a, it's a bad idea. It's not good for the health of the game. And minor league baseball came out with a public memo, basically countering Manfred's claims on the, you know, the financial, um, well-being of the minor leagues and, um, basically countering all of Manfred's talking points. And Manfred came back by basically saying, well, we're just going to, uh, Maybe we'll just get rid of you guys all together. Maybe, I'm gonna, maybe we'll make it so that major league teams can affiliate with any independent club in the US. There will just be no yeah. more minor leagues.
1: Or they start like their own you know, similar to like European soccer where they start their own like training academy and that's it. They train you via Soto, They train you via spin rate. They train you via launch angle and, and player tracking data and they don't even play games until they get to the show. That's fun, huh? I love to create a baseball lab where nobody has access to it.
0: It's just, what's so striking to me is that like, the head of baseball, the literal person who runs the league is just like a whiny crybaby. And I'm sorry to put it in such like, childlike terms, but when faced with like, legitimate criticisms and pushback of things that like, people like and enjoy. Yeah. He resorts to just like empty threats.
1: Well, it's like he learned to take my ball and go home. And then he never learned another negotiating tactic.
0: Yeah. Yes, exactly.
1: Every time he's confronted with something. and, And the truth of that is that he doesn't have to answer to anyone except the owners. He doesn't have to answer to anyone except baseball people. Like every action that he takes proves that he doesn't care for or answer to Fans, Uh, I want to read you this quote from Mark Shapiro, who's president and CEO of the Toronto Blue Jays, who apparently came up as the farm director for the Cleveland Indians. I'm not a politician and I'm not trying to get votes, Shapiro said. I'm not worried about any constituency. I'm just trying to run a business and do the right thing and to promote the game that I love that I've committed 30 years of my life to, not 30 minutes of my life. I'm not going to get into a debate with him, him being Bernie Sanders. But I feel like there's not a staff member giving me a briefing document. This is my life. I'm living this. I've lived it for 30 years. I'm never going to go toe to toe with him on domestic policy, but I will go toe to toe with Bernie Sanders on professional baseball. First of all, what a quote. What a soundbite. Great reporting there. Starting. Yeah. I will go toe -toe to toe with Bernie Sanders on professional baseball. That's a headline. More importantly, I'm not worried about any constituency. Let's pull that quote out for a second. You're the president and CEO of the Toronto Blue Jays, a baseball team that exists solely to play a fucking child's game in front of families and kids for entertainment. That is your constituency. You are trying to win a constituency. You just don't have to get elected because big money owns baseball, not not fans. Yeah. That's it. That's your constituency and you just admitted In a quote on Yahoo.com that you don't give a shit about your fans just so that you can have this cute little public fight with Bernie Sanders because you think your fucking Republican trust fund friends will think it was cute that you said something bad about the lefty presidential candidate in the press. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just got very worked up about that.
0: No, I mean, it is. It's all very consistent with what we know about these guys, though. Right. That like they really only care about the bottom line. And when someone calls them out publicly on it, like they get mad, they get upset, they start crying. Do you, you remember when Dan LeBetard basically tore into Rob Manfred on his show about legend, the, about the sale to Derek Cheater and allowing the trade of Giancarlo Stanton? I mean, he went hard on Manfred on his show. Really and rightfully so. And after that, Major League Baseball came to ESPN and said, You gotta tell your boy to lay off on Rob Manfred. Quit the quit the hard questioning. Literally, ESPN came to Dan and said, Dude, take take a back a notch, please. I mean, they cannot handle any questioning about their motives or their actions. Yeah. Which is which is stunning given like how many people this sport effects? How many people's lives it touches? You know, how many small towns might be dependent on a minor league baseball team? How many communities actually have minor league baseball as like the central point around which they congregate?
1: Yeah. I also think that's another really big difference that we don't talk a lot about between the MLB and NBA is that the NBA is much newer. and. For that reason, they can respond to new era critiques in better ways. Like they have better PR crisis management. And I don't, I'm someone who doesn't really believe that like the NBA is out to help everyone the way that a lot of people do. But at least when they are faced with public criticism, they have a commissioner and a team that prepares him for these situations where he comes out and he at least, I don't know if it's real or I don't know if it's fake, but he at least sounds like he's hearing the critiques and responding to them and formulating opinions around them. Whereas baseball, it's like, it's Rob Manfred and it's a bunch of baseball lifers and they just wish this was 1965 when you couldn't tweet insults at them. Like they just wish this was this world where media was so much slower that they could just operate in secrecy and never be held accountable for it because newspapers were more focused on holding the Nixon administration accountable than now where it's like this new media world where it's like there's a million baseball writers writing online about how much of a dipshit Rob Manfred is and that pisses him off. And he doesn't actually hear the initial reasons why they're calling him a dipshit. And honestly,
0: I wish, I wish Deadspin was around for this quote. Because... I'll, I was going to say that. And do and you want to know what it made me think of is when a website like Gawker called out someone like Peter Thiel on his shit For years and years and years And Peter Thiel Instead of trying to engage in good faith Or ignore it Because he's a billionaire And it literally doesn't impact him whatsoever He said, I'm just going to shut you down instead Yep Wow, Wow. where have I heard that before? Mm Mm-hmm Don't get rid of minor league baseball
1: I don't even remember what episode it was But we went on a big long defense of minor league baseball And there's a million reasons why I should say It is the baseball offseason. There was fortunately a lot of news this week that we could talk about.
0: Um, yeah, it's been a while since we got a good Manfred rant in. You know, I know. It had been a few weeks. I was I was starting to get a little rusty, so I'm glad that we got to do that.
1: Yeah, sometimes we get a little too close to home where we're like almost doing his job for him.
0: Yeah, like we're, yeah coming, we're enjoying we're, the sport a little too much.
1: We're coming up with ways to make baseball fun. We're coming up <laughs> with conversations to have around why the game is good now and why things don't need to change so drastically. And then he comes out and he's like, what if we got rid of minor league baseball? And we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> there's a reason we need to do your work for you. Um, but it is the baseball offseason. And so we we got to come up with creative ways to talk about baseball. We got to come up with creative things to do on this podcast. And uh, in sitting down talking before the show, you were just like, what if we just got rid of like a core baseball rule? Just We got rid of one.
0: What would that look like? Now, Rob Manfred already scooped us on this idea and coming out and saying, what if we just get rid of minor league baseball? So maybe, <laughs> maybe he wins, but I still want to, I want to discuss with you. What is like, if there was one rule that you took away that would like fundamentally change the fabric of the sport the most, you know, like, what would that be?
1: Just getting the Google drive link to the MLB handbook and just pressing delete.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> um All right, so I have three things that that I thought of off the top of my head, and then we can can chat a little bit about maybe how ours interact. So, I, I guess we should say really quickly before we started, before we start, we should leave some things the same. Like, we have to have some parameters for this before we just turn it into a completely different sport. So, all nine players remain batter, pitcher is the general situation going on. Umpires have to stay and do their jobs, call balls, and strikes, and outs and whatnot. But um so we're changing other stuff, sort of ancillary things around the game.
0: Right. We pretty much like if you open up the rule book, there are there are like there are six things that lead off the MLB rule book, right? And it's and it's this is a game between two teams of nine players being watched by umps, and the point is for the batters to turn into runners to score, and the team with the most runs wins. Like that stays the same, but anything else. <laughs> it's fair game. Okay, my first thing. Yeah. Take away
1: runner interference rules. <laughs> so basically, if you're the runner, you have to dodge different <laughs> you have to dodge different fielders trying to get from base to base. So it's like you're playing you're playing defense on a dude. And we you know, I don't need to make it like full-on tackle football or like Red Rover or anything like that. Like we don't need to form a wall around second base that someone has to sprint through. But what if, like, what if, like, the A-Rod slapping the glove out, slapping the ball out of the glove in the the playoffs against the Red Sox, like, what if that was legal, you know? <laughs> How much would baseball
0: change? I propose <laughs> a lot. <laughs> the, as I think about this, the funny part of it is, like, in some contexts, and for a period of time, parts of that, like, were legal, you know? Like, if you want to cleat the opposing player or if you want to barrel into the catcher who's blocking the plate, you can do that. If he's in front of you, you can run right through him.
1: But, like, what if you were the first baseman and you were just, like, kind of shadowing the guy on first base and, like, as soon as the ball left the bat, it's like a double to the gap and you're just, like, kind of forearm checking him like yeah. you would a cutter in basketball.
0: So, So are you saying that... When you say runner interference, are you saying that the runner is allowed to interfere with the fielder or that the fielder can block the runner?
1: Why not both, baby? Or or both. <laughs> Why not both? It's a two-way street. <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting thing that you interpreted as like the runner can interfere with the fielder because imagine if you could just like, like if a fly ball was hit and you could just like run over to the person that was going to catch it and just swat their hand away at the last second as they tried to catch it. Yeah. It basically would be like no guaranteed outs besides strikeouts.
0: Yeah, pretty much.
1: Or like line outs, you know, that you couldn't get in front of fast enough.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, this this takes me to my first proposal, which is get rid of the base path. (laughs) You can run anywhere on the field as long as you know, you're you're trying to make it to a base, obviously. Yeah.
1: I don't know if this would change it quite as much as we think it would, because most outs in baseball are force
0: outs Are force outs. Yeah.
1: But for all of those ones that aren't force outs, it would be utter mayhem.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think that like if we combined our rules, right, like there is no interference and you take away the base path, then all oh, hell breaks loose. Right. Like you yeah. say, if there's a gut double to the gap. And Billy Hamilton beats the center fielder there, and he just grabs the ball and chucks. it? And just it? like grabs the ball and like chucks it, and then runs, or just <laughs> runs with the ball. <laughs> would that would that make him out though? If if he touched the ball,
1: well, I, I guess we think, got rid of runner so. interference, so no. Yeah, so
0: no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so he would have to be tagged out with the ball by someone else. If he beats the center fielder there, gets the ball, it's just a home run. Yeah.
0: If he, can you like. Can Yeah, can you do, like, a self-out? Like, if you're holding the ball and then you step on the base that you're trying to get to, Is did you just out? force force yourself
1: out? Yeah. We'd have to make a rule where he couldn't just throw the ball in the stands. Because <laughs> that's, like, kind of dangerous. <laughs> yeah. It would just turn into, like, a game of capture the flag, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, And I don't know, like, are there people who would watch professional capture the flag if it was on TV? I don't think I well, would.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I I think that if we changed any one of these rules, that I uh, I no might would turn it on to ESPN and be like, "What the fuck am I watching?" and turn it off.
1: <laughs> Fair, okay. So we should suspend all disbelief. Yeah. Okay. What's my your, next. Rule? What's your next one? This is less of a deletion of a rule and more of an adding of a rule. Well, do you okay. accept?
0: I I begrudgingly accept this proposition. I, I want to hear what it is.
1: I think you'll appreciate it. Okay. It's got Alex Baisley written all over it. Each team has to do a, quote, celeb shot where a fan has to pitch for one batter and also a fan has to hit for one at bat. So if I'm the Mets and you're the A's, I have to fa- have a fan pitch against one A for one at bat. And then I also have to nominate a fan to hit against the A's for one at bat. And you have to but do it can, the same. But it, vice it, come,
0: versa. it could come at any at point any time. during the game.
1: And you have to choose it yourself. Like, the other team can't choose it in a high leverage situation. Like, you have to choose when you want to do it. Yeah. I think that we should maybe make an amendment where, like, you can't do it in the first inning to just get it out of the way. <laughs> I feel like all the right. teams would just, like, loophole it and be like, we're yeah. just going to do it for the leadoff hitter and then just start the game after that. Like, yeah, yeah. That's lame. Maybe we can I, make an amendment where, like, there has to be someone on base to make it interesting. <laughs>
0: so my thinking with this is like i feel like the teams would like game the system so much you know like they'd have some (laughs) low level like like intern go and find uh like an you know an independent ball player or something like that and be like you need to be at the game today that's deep conspiracy stuff all for uh, one out (laughs) i mean i you don't know especially if if It has to be in, like, a medium-leverage situation, you know, with runners-on or something like that. Like, you don't want to, like, chuck up your your middle-aged dad who's, like, throwing 55-mile-per-hour meatballs.
1: Yeah. The interesting part of this would be, like, would if I nominated someone to hit, would you then nominate someone to pitch?
0: So then you just get, like, fan-on-fan action. (laughs) (laughs) Tipping pitches. Proponent of fan-on-fan action. (laughs) Because I guess it depends on the leverage of the situation, right? But
1: if I nominate my batter, you could either accept it and just obviously strike him out with, like, AJ Puck or whatever. Yeah. But then you'd, you would know for certain that whoever your celeb shot pitcher would be would have to face a major league hitter. And that's almost definitely a home run. Mm-hmm. The other caveat to this is that it would just be a walk. They would just walk everyone, <laughs> yeah. which is less fun.
0: So, also, like, we're workshopping. Do you, like... Do teams, like, have to... Like, I guess you have to spend, like, a portion of the game figuring out who you... Like, you don't just want it to be random, right? Like, you no. want to do some sort of, like, screening process. But what if it was random?
1: <laughs> like, what if you sat down before the game and pressed a random number generator and that was the inning and number of outs that you had to do the celeb shot?
0: Oh, no, but I'm I'm talking about, like, the... Like the fan, like you don't want the fan to be random, right? Oh, so, like, do you yeah. use like a random number generator on like the seat, and it's like, all right, no, no, no. section one twelve. No, I want to choose the fan, like a celeb shot in palm, right, right. So you want to like have like some I'm sort seeing of you across control. the room. You're
1: like, you're like a few drinks in, maybe more than a few, and uh-huh. I'm like, Alex is wasted. Yeah. Celeb shot time. He's gonna come over here and he's gonna talk some shit, and he's gonna completely
0: miss, uh-huh. and it's gonna be fun. That's right. what I want. Okay. Do teams have like a time limit? Un- <laughs> you're asking too many follow-ups. <laughs> all right. All right. We'll, they we'll have to have the it. fan
1: chosen before the game starts. How about that? So you're like okay. pre-screening people, basically. Right. Exactly. So you have someone <laughs> when, at, you like <laughs> when you buy tickets you on When you buy tickets on MOB.com, it's like. <laughs> <and weight. laughs> what's
0: the highest level of baseball you've ever played? Okay. What's your next rule? Okay. Well, my next rule is somewhat similar to that in that I would like to take away fan interference. So, oh boy. So fans, this is dangerous. Yeah. It is very dangerous. I, um, I don't think that fans should be allowed to run under the field because then you'd just have, then what, what it's just like a picnic. It's just everyone standing on the grass. Yeah. There's no game being played. Yeah. But if fans were allowed to, get involved you know if Derek Jeter is running in the stands trying to catch a pop-up and you're in the front row and you're an ace fan like you can just like lower your shoulder <laughs> in him you know you don't have to get out of his way
1: Do we know if, for sure
0: uh, that this is not allowed now like if Derek Jeter dives
1: into the stands I'm not allowed to deck him
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean I guess if you're slick about it right
1: yeah if you make it seem like you're protecting yourself or your kid or whatever
0: Yeah, exactly. If you're protecting your
1: kid, like you can do whatever you want to a major league baseball player, right? Yeah. Like if Derek Jeter is about to barrel into my son, I can lay his ass out. Yeah. Clothesline him.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the thing about this rule is that, like, once you get a few drinks in, like fan interference doesn't exist anyway right now, right? Like yeah. if there's a pop-up and Adam Jones is going for it, like you're just going to go for it too, no matter how you feel.
1: I think it could be fun in the sense that like what if we what if we equip some fans with like water guns in the front row and like right. you're going to get a pop-up, Josh Donaldson's looking up and you just nail him right in the face with like a, a brolic ass water gun.
0: Yeah, it shouldn't be that easy. Oh, you just get to run over and catch a fly ball and no one else is stopping you?
1: No. I like this one.
0: I like and, it. And also, I, I think it, it would be good because it gets the fans more Evolved. engaged, you know? Yeah, that's what I was going to really say. And that's, yeah, and that's what we're trying to do. That's the whole point of this. We want fans to really feel like they're a part of the experience. They're not just witnessing something.
1: Yeah, the whole point of the show, the logical conclusion was that we got to a point where we can get fans to squirt Josh Johnson in the face with a water gun as he's trying to catch a pop fly.
0: Frankly, that is the reason that I did this show in the first place. (laughs) Change the Twitter bio, baby. (laughs) Um, All right, you want to tell me your last one? Yes, I sure do.
1: My last rule is get rid of the specifications for bat size Mm. and shape. It doesn't even need to be a bat. You can use (laughs) anything you want to hit. Like, imagine you fasten, like, I think this is, like, a a boon for innovation. Yeah. Like, as, as, you know, mechanical engineers, you figure out something that would be the best thing to hit a baseball with. Maybe you create, like, a weird kind of glove racket situation where someone just kind of takes up the whole zone as they swing through and (laughs) hits, you know? I don't know what would happen, but let's think about Mario Superstar Baseball. They got all Mm -hmm. different kinds of bats. Yeah. You know, we got some people using their hand, we got some people using a regular bat, and we got some people using like
0: a hammer. I think we could have some fun with this. <laughs> you want Aaron Judge to walk up to the plate with like a sledgehammer? Like a gavel? <laughs> <laughs> like a big gavel. Yeah, I think that I'd be interested to see how, how that plays out. I I mean, you the thing is, you want something that's like, there has to be a certain structural integrity to it, right? No. Like. Oh no, no structural integrity. No. Let's like swing a chain
1: or something. That'd be crazy. (laughs) Like a whip.
0: (laughs) You're not even trying to like hit the ball anymore. You're just trying to like look good. You just want something that completes the aesthetic of like who you are as a player.
1: Yeah, exactly. I have a follow up question. Okay. If you deleted this rule, how long would it be? Like if you just like went, if you hacked the MLB server right now, deleted the rule, but didn't tell anyone. How long would it be before someone noticed?
0: And then how long would it be before someone tried to do this? I mean, I guess my counter to that is, is there a more efficient means of hitting a baseball than a bat as it stands?
1: Well, (laughs) probably not. (laughs) Probably not more efficient, but you could make the bat like huge. Yeah. Or you could make the bat like, you know, a paddle. Kind of like in... (laughs)
0: Like Like Cricket?
1: uh, Yeah, like in Cricket. Right. How long before someone walks up with like a boat oar (laughs) and everyone's like, what's going on? And then you have a printed out copy of the rule book and you're like, the rule's not there anymore. Yeah,
0: I can do whatever I want. It's like 2029
1: and superstar free agent Trey Turner walks up with a paddle (laughs) and we're like,
0: checkmate, bro. He's allowed to do it. It's not in the
1: rule book anymore. He's allowed. Yeah. I don't know if anyone would ever do it for fear of looking stupid.
0: Right. But like once one person does, then like everybody you just, does it. Yeah.
1: Get the ball rolling. All right. What's your third and final rule change?
0: My third and final rule change, which might lead to mass chaos. But again, so would all of these is if you take away foul territory. There is no <laughs> more foul school territory. schoolyard rules, baby. Little schoolyard rules. So maybe you want to plant your left fielder in the stands, you know, like in the, in the second deck. Cause if the ball pops up there, you gotta get it. Like someone's gotta get the ball. That stays in play until you get it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it would take you longer to
1: climb the fence than it would to just have the center fielder run over to left field.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now maybe maybe you need to take away fan interference then too, because fans would inevitably just like pick up the ball. Oh, so it's like this is a package deal for your rules. Right, yeah. Uh huh. Well, you added a rule, so <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. <laughs> the, the thing I didn't know is, you like, were
1: being such a rule follower about
0: us changing the rules <laughs> the thing is like I guess at that point like does it just become a game of keep away you know like yeah. like all the A's fans are trying to keep the ball away from Jonas Espedes
1: you want to talk about game length Rob Manfred would not be here for this one <laughs> get rid of foul territory every out would take 40 minutes at like a, <laughs> you just play a one inning f- game
0: a fan just grabs the ball and then like leaves the ballpark and goes home. Like, it's still fair territory.
1: We used to do this like, um, my middle school baseball team, used to play wiffle ball. Like we used to have wiffle ball Wednesdays or whatever, where we would just not practice and we would play wiffle ball. Mm -hmm. And we would do it where there's like no foul territory because like we were inside and there's no like lines or anything like that. So if you hit it backwards, whatever, let's just play it. It's all inside the gym. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun. I gotta say. Hell yeah. We would have to make baseball stadiums much smaller for this to be an effective rule. Right, yeah.
0: But that could be fun. I mean, maybe the rule is like once the ball touches the ground, there's no foul territory. So like if it bounces into the stands or something like that, like play on. Mm. If the ball bounces into the dugout, like you gotta get it. Now if a dude what hits it a bounces towering... bounces into the like,
1: opposing team's dugout?
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> Just like... And then you just, like, push over a bucket of balls, and we're like, we're not even sure what's the real ball.
0: (laughs) Luke Voigt is just standing at the top of the steps being like, yeah, come come and try to get it. With an oar. (laughs) With an oar. (laughs) I like this. I like this a lot better than just getting rid of the minor leagues.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Rob Manfred, if you're so obsessed with deleting stuff, delete a rule. Yeah. Don't delete
0: several thousand people's livelihoods. Yeah. Instead of putting a runner on second base in the 10th inning, like... Do something that it's, that's at least fun. That's yeah, like entertaining that's to watch. You coward.
1: Still don't know what I was waiting for. And my time was running wild. Streets and
0: All right, Bobby. I think that we had some productive conversations today. We, uh, we're going to replace bats with, with rowing oars. And I'm uh, so
1: into that idea. And we're going to break s- every time you hit
0: it. And we're gonna be singing All I Want for Christmas is You during the seventh inning stretch. No. Rockin' around me the out. Christmas tree. Take <laughs> Rockin' Around the Christmas tree. Rudolph off the red nosed reindeer. I can't believe you got uh, it wrong wait. less than two hours after we started I, this podcast. I that was on purpose. I'm just I'm just suggesting Mariah is the only Christmas song that matters. Oh, okay. Oh okay, okay. I accept. It's a bit, you know. I love bits. Um Alright All right, y'all. thanks for tuning in this week we hope you enjoyed our rule changes and if you uh, if you have any that you want to send along to us send them our way let us know shoot us a DM at tipping underscore pitches on Twitter drop us a line at tipping pitches pod at gmail.com. we'd love to hear from you
1: I gotta say we say that whenever we do something stupid like this and
0: no one ever suggests rule changes no one, no one ever suggests anything
1: just do it like I know you're out there I know you're listening there's somebody listening to this podcast if you don't Tweet at us. You're canceled. Hashtag whoever is listening to this podcast is over party.
0: <laughs> that's that's been your bit for the last week. I like it.
1: Uh like Alex said, thank you so much for listening. We will be back actually in two weeks, because we're gonna take a week off for the holidays. Because we support rest and relaxation. Yeah. Hope everyone has a nice end of year and we will see you in 2020. Yeah.
0: Happy holidays, everyone. Don't tell them to up on all events. up to her next minute. time down change me you can't taste that's down. sick dude that's sick Mystery. we should send some emails <laughs>
1: <laughs> it'd be like New York Mets X tipping pitches presents <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I can't twist time I said that time